Welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is. <laughs> good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Um, maybe it's the middle of the night, who knows? Um, we're at whatever time it is, I hope it's good. <laughs> and good late afternoon to you, gents. How is, how is things? Things is good. Um, good. <laughs> I mean, we it's the, what, 27th of December, so it's a couple days removed from, from Christmas, and got a lot of really cool books, got some vinyl, um, have a couple gift cards and gift certificates to, like, half-price books and a comic store that's somewhat local, and um, so lots of really cool things, and I even used some of the money that I got to get some more really cool things. Um, the, for example, the center for Baptist renewal is doing basically like one book a month throughout the year of 2021. Um, it's historic Christian books and documents. And uh, I thought it'd be really cool since, you know, we, we've covered the center for Baptist renewal, their, their manifesto, at least we, um, interact with a number of them on, on social media. And it just is a, a cool thing to do, to go through these books together. And, um, I don't know, I can't remember what sort of materials they'll be putting out but i think as we go throughout this year there might be from time to time an episode on a given work or a topic or a person or something like that so uh, i bought a couple of the the first books that are uh uh, for january and february um, from saint vladimir's seminary um also got some books from them just for pleasure not not for that reading list so i think i have like six books coming from SVS, so that's kind of exciting to to have some older patristics and um, similar writings. And let's see, also bought some vinyl for myself as well. So I don't know. Yeah, I've been pretty good. What about you? Do you guys have a good Christmas? Yeah, overall, uh, it's it was weird. We've spent the last coming up on a week quarantining. Um, Elaine tested positive. I tested negative last Tuesday, but I don't know if it was a false negative. We were told it was it was early enough that the negative wasn't necessarily reliable. So, I mean, I've been doing fine, so I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out I didn't have it, but we have been just hanging out inside for since, since Tuesday, last Tuesday. It's, like we said, Sunday the 27th. So we were in we didn't have any big Christmas plans. We weren't going anywhere. We didn't have anyone coming over anyway. So it, it wasn't like super different um, in terms of our plans, which was, you know, good. Like we, we, we know people who have had to totally cancel, you know, big trips and stuff. So thankfully we didn't have to do that. But, um, you know, she wasn't feeling super good, obviously. So not the, not the most normal of Christmases, but uh, it was good. We... We're actually still waiting on some packages to arrive because the mail has just been slow and not steady. <laughs> but um, so it's kind of like not over yet. You know, it's like the 12 days of Christmas for real. Um, but yeah, so definitely excited to not be, you know, I like being inside, but I'm excited to not be forced to be inside, you know, like to be able to go grocery shopping if we need to 
not have to rely on people to pick up our curbside and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it was a nice, relaxing, definitely a more relaxing Christmas than usual. I mean, <laughs> if, if nothing else, the, it, it, from all appearances anyway, you have at least some stubble growing in. So you've been able to have some beardy action instead of the, the clean baby face. <laughs> yes. And, and on that note, the other reason for that, but like quarantine is one, but the other reason for that is as of January 1st, Chick-fil-A employees are allowed to have facial hair again. Oh, or not again. I just mean dude, not have to shave. So right. finally I can that's look big. like a grown up. Like a real man, <laughs> not, a, not a little boy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. So I'm excited about that as well. That's probably the best Christmas present. No, I'd say. not really. Not really. But it was a good one. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So things have been kind of slow here. Things have been kind of, you know, I mean, definitely happy and exciting to get to celebrate Christmas. It's literally the most wonderful time of the year. Um, but definitely kind of a, a slower paced Christmas on my end. So um, yeah, good stuff though. So today we are, I feel like we've talked about this before, but I can't remember when we did, if we did. I don't know if-, if I think it maybe. came up like very briefly in an episode, but it was not the focus. Yeah, I'm sure it's come up. It, it's, it might even have come up multiple times, at least in passing. Um, but there's this idea that I feel like I kind of take for granted, um, just as something that I think is a general, you know, truism kind of thing. Um, but maybe isn't necessarily something that all people think or agree with, or at least would, would frame in this way. So we want to talk about the idea, sort of like a, almost like a slogan that everyone's a theologian, mm. that we can, we can say of everyone <laughs> that, that they are, in fact, a theologian, which, like I said, to me is just kind of like, yeah, this is a, just a thing that is generally true. Other people might be like, well, I've never thought about myself that way, or, you know, you mean everybody? Like, I'm sure we can all think of somebody <laughs> or <laughs> maybe multiple somebodies that we might be like, I don't know, you know, would you really say they're a theologian or that person is a, a theologian? So we kind of wanted to work through what we mean when we say that, um, maybe give a little bit of background on at least our own, you know, I don't know what the word would be, just our own conclusions around whether or not it makes sense to, to, to make that claim that everyone is a theologian um, and kind of just give some thoughts uh as to why we think it, you know, spoiler alert, at least for me, I think it is an appropriate thing to say, and I think it's true. Um, And I believe you and I would agree on that. Am I correct? That it's a fair thing to say. Yeah. Um, And kind of just explore a little bit and discuss Mm -hmm. what it might mean and why we might want to say it. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I guess a good place to start, you know, we kind of know what everyone means, like, every person uh on an individual level and and what is what is a what is a theologian would probably be the best place to start um, if we're saying everyone's a theologian we kind of have to get at what we mean by the term theologian yeah that we're then applying to everybody so what, what would you if somebody asked you what is a theologian 
how would you maybe want to get at that question? Sure. So obviously there's uh, maybe a professional field where you could describe somebody as a theologian. So I know having gone to Moody Bible Institute, there was such a thing as a, a theology major. Um, you know, maybe not everybody went on to become a theologian, but the idea was you were being trained in a particular sort of theology, whether it be, you know, systematic or biblical theology, historical theology, um, dogmatic theology. Um, but the emphasis was very academic. It was a study. It was a discipline for the purpose of the growth and edification of the church. Um, so there is an actual role that one can fulfill um, known as theologian. Uh, I know of churches, for instance, that have like resident theologians. So it's like a, a pastor of theology, um, you know, whether they're teaching classes to the people or they're a, a, you know, sometimes preacher on Sundays, but who specializes in a particular church in studying theology. But I think more, more broadly speaking, um, so when we use the word theologian, we're not talking about the particular academic discipline, you know, maybe they are in a church, maybe they're in a university or a seminary or, or a Bible college. Um, but when we say that everyone is a theologian, um, we mean that everyone thinks, speaks, um, and acts as a theologian. It's not always a good one. It's not always an accurate biblical orthodox one. Um, but I think it's helpful. So, so John Frame, who happens to be a theologian, defines theology as the application of of the word of God by persons to all areas of life. Uh, so, you know, if you recall, we had an episode called What is Theology? It's a really good episode. Um, I said uh, theology is a revelation of reality. Um, well, here John Frame says that theology is the application, so putting into practice, of the word of God by persons, so men, women, children, to all areas of life. So theology just isn't like a, a head conceptual idea that we just apply uh, to theological disputes, um, but it's taking God's word and applying it to all areas of life. Um, so it's, it's to say, you know, theologians aren't just academics, not just sitting up in their ivory towers theologizing, uh, but Frame goes on to say that the work of theology is not to discover some truth in itself in abstraction, so ripped away from all that is human. It is to take the truth of scripture and humbly to serve God's people by teaching and preaching it, uh, by counseling, by evangelizing. Um, so that's a, a more, again, narrowing the focus of, of what it means to be a theologian. But again, broadly speaking, a theologian is somebody who, who has right thoughts, right words, right actions. Um, that's what ideally we should be striving for. Uh, but in, the, the fact of the matter is, is, even your neighbor next door who's never been to church, who, who isn't a Christian, who might consider themselves an atheist, is a theologian in the sense that they have thoughts about God, they have words that they can express, and they will live out certain actions. Um, and so part of the Christian life is realigning ourselves to have those right thoughts, right words, and right actions. Um, and I think, I I really think that we as, as believers, especially um, but people more generally, we, we do have a responsibility to know what we believe and what we confess, but also why. Um, and I think, I don't know, going into to 2021, going into a year that, you know, as, as we leave an election year, as we leave a, a year that was marked by a global pandemic that seemed to, to create divisions and, and dissensions all over the place, 
uh, it's now more than ever a really good time to sort of think about and evaluate what we do believe, uh, what we do confess, and why it is that we hold that. Do, do we hold certain things uh, close to our hearts because it's what Scripture teaches and reveals or because it's a ideology that we find in the world? Because um, these things do matter. And I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with, with Ligonier Ministries, um, which was started by R.C. Sproul. Um, it's still um, a ministry that exists today, even after his passing. But uh, every two years, they put out a, a state of theology survey. So they so Ligonier works with like Lifeway and I think a couple other um, polling people. And they'll, they'll poll um, uh, Christians and non-Christians, um, but then sort of gather the collective data from the, the respective groups and, and get an idea to get like a pulse, to get a temperature on the theology in our nation over the last couple of years. And if if you haven't, you should definitely just look up 2020 State of Theology. Um, I mean, you've got, you've got stuff like, uh, so this is just a statement, and then there's um, a degree of answers that you can give. So the statement is, God will always reward true faith with material blessings in this life. So it goes from strongly disagree to strongly agree. So strongly disagree, disagree, not sure, agree, strongly agree. On that particular one about God will always reward true faith with material blessings in this life, 28% of evangelicals that were polled strongly agreed. So that's to say that there are, you know, just over a quarter, just under a third of evangelical Christians, people in our churches who think that God is always going to reward true faith with material blessings in this life. Um, maybe you think that's good. Maybe you think it's bad. Maybe, maybe you're one of the people who would agree. Um, but I think it's safe to say that that's a, a dangerous ideology, especially if you're somebody who lives in a more impoverished country. Um, maybe we need to determine and define what material blessings are. If you think that God's going to bless you with a Lexus and a Rolex and a new MacBook, um, then I would definitely have a problem with that. Um, but I also, I think there's just a problem with doing a one-to-one of here is true and genuine faith. And that thus means I'm going to have some sort of blessings. Because I think, um, as the New Testament will attest, especially time and time again, uh, believers are met with persecution, with with even death, um, you know, being crucified upside down, being stoned, being beheaded for confessing Christ. And that's just one example. But the, this, this state of theology, um, there are a lot of really good, positive things that come from it. And there's also some things that are really concerning um, and so that's why that, that for me personally, that's why I wanted to have this conversation about everyone being a theologian, uh, because everyone has thoughts about reality. Everyone has thoughts about what it means to be a Christian, to live in this world. Um, and a lot of times people that define themselves, characterize themselves as Christians have some at, at I don't know, mistaken is maybe uh, not the best way to, to think about it. But I think I think some people just are ignorant they, they don't know and other people i think are um a little bit more devious but curious what what you have to say yeah i mean i i think it might be worth diving into some of the results of those surveys a little more at a different time i feel like we might have gotten a little far afield in some ways here um because i almost feel like you've just given us a good reason to say that everyone's not a theologian and that we need the theologians to teach everybody, you know, if if these huge swaths of supposedly <laughs> um, the most biblically minded type of Christianity in our country are, are just 
way off of what the Bible seems to teach pretty clearly. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, to kind of like reel it back a little bit, like to go back to um, that explanation or definition of theology that you read from John Frame, I, you know, not to disrespect John Frame, but I would almost like, I don't, I don't think I like that definition very much. Um, and regardless of, of whether or not we, you know, I think he's right. And I just don't know that I would label that, you know, theology equals this, you know, he's talking about teaching and preaching um, and counseling and evangelizing. I don't think those are acts of theology. Those are theological. They're informed by our theology, but I think that we can make it even more simple and, and, and we can make it more complex or more simple. It depends on the context that we're talking about, what makes the most sense, you know, obviously, you know, the, the academic working on a 10 volume systematic theology is like we said in the beginning is, is that's a specialized work that requires a certain approach and understanding of what we mean by the task of theology or the actual like, you know, day-to-day work of it. But if we're going to bring it to a more um, universal level, um, which is what we're talking about, I think the, the, the most simplistic way, and by simple, I, I don't mean dumbed down. I just mean, I just mean simple, like straightforward, is that theology is, is kind of what we've been talking about. It's speech about God. Um, you know, we, we think about biology, you know, study of life. We think about um, astrology. I was going to say astrology. That's not what I mean. I meant astronomy. <laughs> um, so not not the best example, I guess. Doesn't fit my my little rhyming scheme here. But you know, biology is a study of of life. You know, paleontology, the study of dinosaurs or whatever. Um, so theology. You know, we can say speech about or, or or study about God. And and if that's the most simplistic way of looking at it, then like we've said before, like you were just saying, everybody has thoughts about God. Everybody has um, things they say about God. Everybody has things they do that reflect on what they think about God or reflect on um, the world around them, which is God's world, you know. Um, and like you, you you mentioned, like even the, the person who's never been to church is a theologian in the sense that they have these thoughts and words and deeds that speak to what they believe or don't believe about God. And it might be, you know, I don't know how helpful it is. Like, like, I don't know if it really serves a purpose to say, oh, you know, this person who hates God and hates the church, they're a theologian. Like, I think it's true in a sense, like I'm saying everyone is a theologian. But practically speaking, I don't know what we really gain from making that claim. So much as being able to reflect on the idea that the activity that we call theology is broader than the academic study, the the clergyman's duties, um, sermon prep, whatever, um, you know, uh, books we read looking at you know a his, you know historical curiosities from time past that Christians have done um, but this activity that we call theology is so much broader than that because it it frames our world um, as the world that belongs to God that is from God and that we are living in with God we we live and act in the world 
in God. You know, he, he ultimately, this is, you know, something that people do to greater or lesser degrees currently, but he is, you know, he is all in all, you know, all will be within him. Um, he sustains the universe and in that universe that he has created and sustains, he has given us the ability to know him and the ability to know the world around us uh, rationally with our, with our brains and or not just our, not just our brains, but our, our entire being, but also in a way that is rational where we can break down. Why does this happen? What does this mean? You know, we can, we can ask these questions that other aspects of creation can't. And so our lives, I, you know, almost self-evidently have significance before God in what we say and think and do. And that means that we are all theologians in the sense that we are all saying and, and thinking and doing both, you know, intentionally and unintentionally in the presence of God and then in the presence of others that reflects back on God or at least reflects back on what we think about God. We are all image bearers, and some of us bear that image with more or less faithfulness at certain points, you know, um, in certain ways, with certain struggles, whatever the case may be because of sin. Um, but we're all the, we're all reflecting that image. You know, we, we're all refracting, you know, like humanity and all of its, you know, 7.5 billion people who are alive. They're all refracting that image of God in, in various ways that are unique, that are special, that are uh, maybe not so good, that are evil, that are, you know, like the whole complexity of the human existence. Um, all of that is kind of what we're talking about when we say everyone's a theologian. Everyone has these thoughts, whether they're answering a question about, you know, does God do this or does he do that? Or is this true about Jesus or not? Or whether they're just living their lives and they've never even thought about God on purpose or deliberately or thought that they're going to, you know, reflect on how their life matters to God or how what they do, you know, speaks to something about themselves and their relationship with God. Even those people who think about just themselves in the sense of, they, they, you know, sort of a materialist perspective, not, not a self, I don't mean selfishly, I just mean like, they're only seeing the world around them and how they impact things that they can see, that's still a reflection on God. And I guess that's kind of, you know, a little, I guess I'm kind of rambling at this point, but that's what I wanted to kind of, at, at the base level, everyone's a theologian because everyone is living in God's world as God's creatures and thus reflecting in what we say, think, and do back on ourselves and on God both before God himself and before the, the world around us. Mm -hmm. And this is something that is, that is, it can be intentional or unintentional, and it can be faithful or unfaithful. Um, but what's really important is I think if we, if, we, if we apply this to the world around us and say everyone is a theologian, myself included, you included, all these people that I don't know, then we can kind of, I think it reframes our world. It reframes our view of the world to where we're focused back on our, as, as, as humans, our interaction with and relationship to God in a way that we don't have if we, or we don't have in the same way, if we reserve theology for people who get paid by the church or for people who write books 
and we think of it as this separate thing where speech about God, oh, that's for the experts. I pray to God, I read the Bible, I go to church, but I'm I'm listening to the experts who do theology. It, it, it creates this separation that I don't think is really reflective of how the world actually works. And I don't know if that makes sense or if... Yeah, or if... Oh, it does. Yeah, I... I like the. It's always interesting when you when you and I, maybe for the listener that doesn't know, we don't always like hammer out the nitty gritty of an episode before we record. Um, we usually like we'll know a topic and we both sort of like we'll think about it over the course of a week, maybe prep a little bit, and then we just come together and talk about it. So it, it is always a little interesting when we um, sort of see the dynamic of that. But I, I love the way that you kind of, you know, like you said, brought us back. Um, to what we were really getting at. And and one of the things that I wanted to drive home, and I think this is a good time to start to start saying it, um, everyone is a theologian. We, we've already established that. Um, and especially for the Christian, um, one of the things I wanted to do in this episode is, is drive home, like, you are a theologian, and at the end of the day, you need to be a good one. Um and, and so, yes, maybe we need better teachers. Maybe we do need better academic theologians. Um, but at, at the individual level, in our churches, your average layperson, I, I wanted them at least to understand that you indeed are a theologian and you ought to be a good one. Um, and, and the reality is, as, as Psalm 111.2 says, it says, The Lord's works are great, studied by all who delight in them. And I was sort of like thinking about that, 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 that passage this week, that the Lord's works are great. The things that, that God does are amazing, um, and they ought to be studied by all who delight in them. And so I, I started thinking about the fact that we study what we love, um, or we think about what we love. And, and some of the thoughts that came to mind, like as, as kids, my brother, um, he, he like studied superhero information. So like, I distinctly remember him having like these books about, you know, Batman and Superman and the Hulk, and it would give, you know, like attributes and statistics about, you know, this is how much they weigh, uh, what year they were born, how much they can lift. And he would like quiz my family on how old is Superman and how old is Batman, how much does Batman weigh and like all this information that, you know, is seemingly useless, but to a kid who loves superheroes, he was studying what he loved. Um, very similarly, I loved football cards. I loved what I loved football and th thus I loved collecting football cards. And I was probably the same way with football cards to my family that my brother was, you know, with, with superheroes. And those are uh, literally childish examples. Um, but the same is true today. Think of any, any person in your life and the things that they talk the most about more likely than not, that's something that they love more than other things. So maybe they talk about their kids, maybe they talk about their job, maybe they talk about their hobbies. It's We, we study and we become experts in what we love. And I, I wish I could have found the original source for this. I, I genuinely cannot remember. Uh, but there, I, I remember at Moody reading a book or an article uh, where the guy was talking about how we'll spend thousands on our hobbies, whether it's skiing and snowboarding or um, think about, you know, your average youth baseball player and all the, you know, you need a bat and a glove and um, a uniform and, and batting practice and everything that goes into becoming a good baseball player or a good skier. You'll invest a lot of time, energy, and money. But then when it comes to like church, it's almost like an afterthought. Like, oh, if we can make it to church, oh, if we can make it to youth group, um, oh, if there's a couple minutes, I'll squeeze in Bible study here and there. Um, and so this author was trying to make the point that like, theology, God's word, 
um, studying those things, if we're Christians, ought to be at the same sort of, you know, priority as skiing or baseball, because we're talking about eternal things, not temporal things. Um, and so again, my, my, my point in, in wanting to do this episode was specifically to speak to Christians who, who find themselves as average lay people within their congregations, wanting them to recognize that you are a theologian, you, you matter in your body, um, you have an influence, you have a voice, and so you ought to use it well and be a good theologian. And, and I think of like, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I, I totally agree. And, and I guess I, I don't, you know, if you're going here, I don't mean to like cut you off. And, <laughs> but like, what is, you know, obviously, both in terms of opportunity, ability, time, um, you know, location, just the other responsibilities that, that every person has, or, or, and not even, not even only responsibilities, but also just hobbies or, or other, the, the things that, that life consists of everyone has their own, you know, combination of things. What is it, you know, we're not saying you're not saying every, you know, you're, everyone's a theologian and you ought to be a good one. So go get an MDiv, go read all, you know, every page of every book that you can possibly find, uh, memorize the whole Bible, you know, in a year, like whatever else we could think of, like, that's not what it means to, to be, you know, to be a good quote unquote theologian in the terms of what we're talking about here, right? We're, we're more thinking everyone's a theologian live into, I mean, really this, this kind of could be re this part of what, what we're getting at could almost be reframed. Just be a faithful Christian, you know, and, and, or I, I guess what I should say is it's, it's a part of being faithful as a believer in that you're investing time and effort and energy into what you say and think and do to and for and with and about God, right? Right. It's 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 that our walk with Christ is not an afterthought. Therefore, our reflections on what you know we heard in the sermon this Sunday or what this particular Bible passage I read in my Bible study group, you know, like those thoughts and reflections are, they, they matter and they matter that, that they are done in a way that is not, you know, kind of like what you're getting at. Like it's not an afterthought that we go to church, but it's intentional. And part of that means the study side of it. Part of it means the reflection side of it. Part of it is I'm going to be, you know, my coworker might ask me something about what I believe. And if I'm just sort of, floating in and out of church on Sunday morning for an hour, will I know how to answer a question about the gospel if I'm not paying attention and I'm just kind of floating in and out of church? Probably not, but that is a, that is a theological task. You know, you're being called to, in that moment, to give an answer to a specific question about this or that doctrine or belief or whatever. And if you're not able to give that answer well then that person, you know, they're not going to be able to have that question answered and they're going to, they're not going to be able to like progress, if that makes sense. They're not going to yeah. be able to be like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Well, okay, well, what about this? And and that, that all of a sudden, you know, this, this is a whole, like, this is, could be another episode, but, you know, <laughs> God, quote unquote, you know, I say this in a, in a very just figure of speech kind of way. There's, 
there's a lot going on here that we'll get into another time, I'm sure. Like God can't use you if in that way, in that moment, the way that he could if you paid attention and thought about these things in such a way that you had an answer. And this isn't meant to be like condemning people who don't know things. Right. No, what I'm no, saying no. is if we're being flippant, like you said, <clears throat> if church is an afterthought and I don't go this week and then someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer, like it kind of reflects poorly on the way that I'm approaching my task as a theologian in the sense that everyone is a theologian. Right. Um, and, I, I and maybe that came out a little jumbled, but I, no, I, no, I think, no. yeah. And I understand that there are, there are differing degrees of ability both cognitively, mentally, um, physically, there are obviously, you know, um, even providential hindrances, hindrances that come up. You know, I recognize that not everybody has the money to buy volumes of books and theology books. So I, I don't want someone to hear this and have walked away thinking that like they can't accomplish it and they can't do it. Or like, I don't have the time, the energy, the money, the brain power. I'm not saying that you have to necessarily even change much of what you do in your life. Um, my my hope is that it, there's a recognition that um, as as Christians that there is a sense in which we have a responsibility um, to be faithful with what we have been given, and you know maybe you spend 30 minutes scrolling through Instagram. How could you spend those 30 minutes differently in such a way that you might be studying the Word of God or thinking theologically or having a conversation with a pastor or a friend? Um, <laughs> theology is done and this is to use like i think a latin term but quorum deo so before the face of god um which i know sounds really pithy and and you know maybe very ivory tower-y um but but really like the glory of god and the good of the church are at stake when we when we are when we're thinking and talking about how we live in the world um is god being glorified in the way that we live and move and breathe um is the church thriving and living as she ought um theologically. And I think thing, things like this state of theology survey, um, things like um, different Lifeway and Pew Research Center, like these things come out from time to time. And, and, and a good amount of the time, the, the findings are pretty startling. Um, and so we, we ought to recognize that we're not living in a vacuum separate from God. Like the, the way that we think um, about his word, the way that we think about him and how to live in this world does matter. And, and he will hold us accountable for how we do those things. Like I, I, I had a professor at Moody that I remember used to say all the time, you're going to be held accountable for how you read God's word. And that was speaking like specifically in a pastoral sense. So like how a pastor reads and preaches, um, they're going to be held accountable for. But in a very real sense, all of us are going to be held accountable for how we live in this world. And part of how we live in this world is how we react and use scripture. Um, and so, and that's not to overburden you. That's not to bind your conscience, but it's to, to hopefully add a gravity to the situation. Um, to think that theology isn't just something that like, again, is for the people in the ivory tower or it's just for these certain types of people. Um, and so I, I don't have to dedicate the time to learn it or do it. Um, but these are very pressing and important things. And it ought to, we ought to be sincere. We ought to be diligent as we study God's word. And I recognize, because I'm somebody who has also had a hard time, that, that scripture can be hard to read, especially when we're reading it alone. But those things aren't meant to be done alone. Uh, and if, you know, if you had good theology, we would know that. Like the, the church is a body of people. It's a congregation. It's uh, it's 
It's more than just me, Jesus, and my Bible. And so part of being a good theologian is recognizing, okay, here's what the church is. Here's its importance. Here's why I ought to be um, serving and communing in one. Um, and, you know, we could go on and on and on about this. Um, but really, at the end of the day, like my hope for this episode, um, just to further drive it home, is that for the person, um, sorry, that's going to be, <laughs> uh, I, I haven't mentioned yet. I have a new insulin pump. Um and this insulin pump, when the reservoir gets low, it beeps. So apparently I'm low on insulin. Um, so excuse that. Anyway, um, the, the thing I was saying is that, that for the common person, for the person who's just sitting in a pew, sitting in a chair on Sunday mornings, I want you to recognize that you do have um, a responsibility at the very least to, to be a theologian and to work at becoming a good one. And that doesn't mean you need to articulate, you know, the five points of Calvinism to a T or doesn't mean you have to have the all the creeds memorized. Uh, but it means that you're working towards delighting in God's word and his works in the world. Or to, to think of like Romans 11 uh, at the end of, think of the letter of Romans and, and just all the different, oh my gosh, it's beeping again. <laughs> think of all the different like theological things that Paul covered in chapters 1 through 10 in Romans. And then he sort of concludes with this magnificent song almost where he says, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. So maybe even in reading that you might think, oh, well, Jens, you're contradicting yourself because who can understand God? Who, you know, his his judgments and his ways are unsearchable and untraceable. Um, that's not to say that they're impossible to understand, um, but it means that they're so high and lofty and above our common human understanding that maybe it takes a little bit more work and, and diligence. But I don't know. Is there anything else that you kind of want to add here as we kind of wrap up? Not really. Um, I, think, I think I would want to maybe highlight something that you said which is um the the something that we haven't necessarily said explicitly but but that's been wrapped up is that the task of of being you know everyone being a theologian is truly to delight in god um it is truly to come face to face with him uh, you know as moses did and and to to be um, glorified in his presence for all eternity that is the goal uh because that is the goal of the christian life and um and the goal of the incarnation and you know that like that's that's what it, everything is pointing to and i think that rather than f- you know sound as as though this were you know like heaping a burden on people to be you know oh you shouldn't be on social media so much you should be reading or oh you know you shouldn't talk about this with your friends you should talk about about god more you know um, you should you should fulfill these you know laws <laughs> in order to be a better Christian because God has called you to be a theologian in your in your life. Like it's more than any it, it, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> it's that um, we've been called into a union with Christ that um, we get to participate in <laughs> forever. <laughs> and um, this is, I think, really just a fruit of that. Is, is to reflect on how we think about God, what we say about God, and what we do as a result of those things. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe 
maybe this comes across to someone as sounding a little more like, you know, here's a list of, you know, things you should be doing. But really, I would hope that it would sound and feel more like more like an invitation to live into the fact that everyone is a theologian because we are all people created in God's image to say things about God, you know, to have speech about God, which entails everything that we've been talking about and, 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 and so much more of, of speaking and preaching and teaching and, and everything that, that comes as a result of that speech about God or that is informed by that speech. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's easy to say it. And, and if it didn't come across this way, then that's definitely not the fault of, you know, God. It's definitely our own fault, but it is an invitation into a relationship with the one who has revealed himself and continues to reveal himself to individuals um, through the church and that we are all called to be a part, a living member of Christ. You know, um, there, there's all, all of that is living into what it means to be a theologian and, and what it means for everyone to be a theologian is a part of all of that beautiful um, truth about who we are as the adopted children of God. So I think that I would, you know, just want to kind of reiterate and highlight everything that you were saying and, and just to, just to really be, take this as an encouragement to invest whatever and wherever you've been placed in the life of God, um, instead of just, uh, sort of floating on the surface of the life with God to really dive deep. And that's what I think this is really all about. Um, or at least should be all about. You know, um, that might not always be how people talk, but <laughs> hopefully that's what we're striving to. That's how we're striving to talk. So anyway, um, I hope, yeah, I don't know. I just, I hope it was a, this was an interesting or, or helpful in some way conversation. It's, uh, if nothing else, hopefully yeah. like the wheels are turning in your mind at the very least to be thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So on that note, I think let's conclude this discussion with, with a prayer. All right. Well, this comes from the Valley of Vision. It's called A Present Salvation. And it says, Creator and Redeemer God, author of all existence, source of all blessedness, I adore thee for making me capable of knowing thee, for giving me reason and conscience, for leading me to desire thee. I praise thee for the revelation of thyself in the gospel, for thy heart as a dwelling place of pity, for thy thoughts of peace towards me, for thy patience and thy graciousness, for the vastness of thy mercy. Thou hast moved my conscience to know how the guilty can be pardoned, the unholy sanctified, and the poor enriched. May I be always among those who not only hear, but know thee, who walk with and rejoice in thee, who take thee at thy word and find life there. Keep me always longing for a present salvation in Holy Spirit comforts and rejoicings, for spiritual graces and blessings, for help to value my duties as well as my privileges. May I cherish simplicity and godly sincerity of character. Help me to be in reality before thee, as in appearance I am before men. To be religious before I profess religion, to leave the world before I enter the church, to set my affections on things above, to shun forbidden follies and vanities, to be a dispenser as well as a partaker of grace, to be prepared to bear evil as well as to do good. O oh God, make me worthy of this calling, that the name of Jesus may be glorified in me and I in him. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you. And before we conclude, you've mentioned that you're swimming in new books. So what have you been reading? <laughs> yeah. So I, always, I have a difficult time sometimes coming up with what to say for this segment because um, I believe last time is, I mentioned... It's tougher than it sounds. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I was actually reading as much as I'd like to, um, it, it'd be really easy because I have so many, like you said, so many books. But, but presently, I'm in the middle of a couple. So uh, Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland, um, the, the case for theological triage. I already talked about that last week, um, so I won't go any deeper. Um, I'm also reading The Glory of Christ by John Owen. Uh, part of that uh, Puritan, um, it's actually a John Owen classics set. So it takes his much larger collected works and it's like the best of the best from his collected works. So the glory of Christ, like I asked on Twitter, um, which which one of Owen's books I should read first. And like everybody said the glory of Christ. So um, I'm very early on in my stages of, of reading it. I think I'm only like two chapters in, but man, I've, I've struggled to read Owen in the past, and this is an abridged translation, so it's a little bit easier, um, a little more simplified. It makes it so much more enjoyable. And talk about richness and depth, and man, if there was ever somebody who, who, who not only saw but partook um, of the glory of Christ, like John Owen was somebody who, it seems from the very little that I've read so far, was radiating... Um, the love of Christ. And so I'm, I'm excited to go deeper to, um, I don't know, read a little bit more of that as, 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 as I said, I think a little bit ago, it's December 27th. Uh, we're, we're closing out 2020 going into 2021. So I'm, I'm working on setting like book reading goals and, um, what I want to attain this year. I, I had set a goal of 25 and I'll be finishing my 31st book, I think before the year ends. So I, wow. I exceeded my goal, which is, which is always nice. Um, I'm debating next year if I want to just bump it up to 35 or if I want to go for 52 and try to read like a book a week. But um, I don't know. So it's fun to think about books and I love books. So I want to know what books you're reading. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if this would really be what am I reading as much as what am I using or what am I living or I don't know, uh, participating in, I guess, to be fitting, you know, part but um, some nerd sent me um, a really nice edition of the Valley of Vision for mm. Christmas. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I made a sort of tongue in cheek, but also definitely very serious uh, tweet about how, you know, I, I, I've, I've always heard how good the Valley of Vision is that it's just chock full of like really meaningful um edifying prayers for all different circumstances and, and to be used, you know, in all different times of life and times of the year and times of day and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I always thought it was super cool. And I always really, you know, said, yeah, the Valley of Vision's awesome. Um, but now having actually spent the last few days praying with it, I'm just blown away. Like I, I had no, I thought it was just a, a collection of really, cool prayers that are enriching. And I thought that I kind of knew what, like, I thought I could kind of like, you know, I, I was a poser is what I'm saying. I thought that I could kind of be like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good, you know, accessible, relatively accessible, uh, you know, handy little prayer book full of good prayers. You know, you should, you should use this, even though I had never <laughs> actually looked at it, um, which was not something I didn't, I did intentionally. It's just, that's just kind of the way it went. But now, like I said, I got it for Christmas. Uh, thank you. And um, so 
I've used it three days now. I use it starting on Christmas and just just kind of incorporating it into my normal morning prayer routine. Um, and it's just been super edifying, even just the like three or four prayers I've used so far. Are you just, just like hopping around or are you using like the Joe yeah. Thorne prayer thing? <laughs> no, I, I haven't looked into either their plan or just any any sort of plan or whatever. I've I've just been looking at the contents and right. picking yeah. out what what sounded the most relevant or topical to um to 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 pull out and just use um like I said I've been incorporating it into morning prayer through the BCP um and just just kind of use, using it almost as like an extra collect um for those of you who pray with with the book of common prayer but um you know just kind of adding in those prayers that feel relevant at yeah. during the the time of offering our own intercessions and prayers and stuff so it's just it's a i haven't like read through huge chunks of it i've just been you know praying different ones and encountering them as i am praying them so um but it's just been super super like i just definitely like double down on any encouragement i've ever given to anybody to to look into it it's definitely um well worth the the investment of, of, of getting your hands on one and, and um, just just a really valuable resource, I think. So sweet. Yeah. Well, I think we'll 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 wrap it up. We'll say thank you to the listener. Thank you for uh, taking the time to, to really listen to any episode you've ever listened to, but this one especially. I know it was a little different and maybe a little uncomfortable, maybe a little disjointed, but hopefully you've at least walked away with um, maybe a new nugget of knowledge that will will aid you in living a faithful Christian life. But if you'd like to connect with us and tell us how awful this episode was, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. Um, or you can sell a, uh, send us a strongly worded email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we always welcome your feedback, good and bad, your questions, both positive and negative, and any episode ideas. Even if we never do them, we love having episode ideas. Um, but I promise someday we will do them. Uh, so sign up for our newsletter, um, do whatever you can to connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. Peace. See you.